there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Getting so close to reunion time in Dallas. The Truth About Cancer Ultimate Live Symposium. Dr. Rashid Bittar will be there with all of us. And Dr. Bittar, really, really stoked to be seeing you. And we'll have the whole family there as well. And just, uh, well, I, I know we got to do advanced medicine tonight, but I'm, I'm already living in the future. Well, yeah, we're looking, we're all looking forward to it, Robert. So it's uh, going to be a good week. I've actually got to give a lecture at Duke first before then. Um, a couple of days before and then right after that, head over to Dallas. Duke Energy or Duke University? Uh, Duke Energy. Gotcha. Now, they need some help because some of the stuff they do uh pretty polluting. Um, I bet you're going to have a little bit to say about cleaning up uh, their bodies. Yeah, actually, believe it or not, I think Duke Energy is a much bigger audience than Duke University. <laughs> Probably so, yes. Yeah. Very but, cool. But I've actually uh, have talked to members of Duke's faculty pre- before when I was involved with the uh, TAC trial with the chelation through NIH. But um, mm-hmm. but this is yeah, this is a little bit different. Well, there's uh, you know big big news last hour about Chinese clinical trials for dr- drugs, eighty percent fabricated. Another story about uh, uh, you know overview, and this was in a major, um, um, I think, a British medical journal published out of 3,000 common medical practices, 1,500 have unknown effectiveness. Uh, only a third may be beneficial. 3% are likely to be harmful. But, I mean, it's like becoming more and more evident, as we've talked about consciousness shifts. It used to be subtle or the first few people that could actually see through the matrix, right, could show it. Now it's becoming so overt and obvious, you have to be a dunderhead not to see it. Yeah, without a doubt. I totally agree with you, Robert. And I think um, it also, though, even though what you said is true, you've also got the opposite side where there's more and more awareness from those that know. It's almost like there's a growing um, pop, there's a growing propensity on both sides. Those that are becoming aware, there's more people becoming aware, and then this, the thunderheadedness that you're talking about is also growing. So there's a, there's a rift that's becoming more distinguishable, that's becoming more prominent, I think, between those that know and those that aren't. Well, yeah, I think so. The fighting back, the pushback, the antagonism towards this, but it's becoming harder for them to win like they used to or the appearance of them winning by shouting people down. You know, even those that yell against homeopathy are having uh, little or no successes. It continues to proliferate around the world, and people are going, you know what? I think uh, energy medicine is legitimate, and it doesn't kill you. That's good thing, as opposed to those who are against it, who are only for medicine that can kill you as evidence of its legitimacy. Yeah, there's, you know, it's interesting you brought that up because when you're looking at energetics and, and energy medicine, some of the things that are coming down the pipeline, I mean, they are so powerful. Um, in fact, today in the clinic all day, that's all we were doing, uh, implementing a new uh, type of technology. It's, it's not actually new, but it's the use of it and, and the implications and the, and the impact it's having. Just remarkable. And uh, it's all sound-based. Um, I'm not going to say any more than that, except that um, when we're together in Dallas, 
in another week and a half. Yes. Um, you're going you're gonna to witness it firsthand, and I Beautiful. promise you it's going to blow you away. I'm looking forward to it. That'll be great. We can talk about it then from experience. Now, there's an article in Forbes of all places, Forbes, which is considered an economic magazine, and they got this guy, Brian Koberlin, who's an astrophysicist, an astrophysicist writing about vaccines and mercury. And this guy, the headline is, is why anti-vaxxers are wrong about mercury and shots. This guy is going full on, I'm going to call him, uh, a mercury retard. I, I'm going to say it. it's politically incorrect, but I'm going to say it because this guy is absolutely dunderhead is a kind word to say because he's going with the ethyl mercury, methyl mercury scam, of course, completely ignoring the fact that they're injecting it as if it's put, being put into your gastrointestinal tract. It's not. I don't know if you got a chance to read the article. I have not read the article yet, Robert, um, but um, I, you know, everything that you're saying, it, it seems like it's a, it seems like it's going to be an interesting read, but I have not read that article. Yeah, he may, he's basically doing the same argument we've heard for years. Uh, the thimerosal in the, you know, in the vaccines breaks down in the body, according to this guy, into ethyl mercury. And since our bodies can remove ethyl mercury, it doesn't bioaccumulate which is different from the methylmercury found in trace amounts in certain fish, which is really dangerous, he says. Well, the, the facts are that ethylmercury is not able to be cleared out of the body, so that, that statement itself is wrong, um, and that's already been changed. Ethylmercury and methylmercury, methylmercury is actually clear out of the system easier than ethylmercury. Ethylmercury is more persistent uh, and is actually anywhere between 500 to 1,000 times more difficult to clear out of the body than inorganic mercury. So if, you know, if they're making that statement, that's not accurate. That's categorically But But he's an astrophysicist, so obviously he's qualified to determine what ethyl mercury and methyl mercury and how they they work through the body and are metabolized. Because that's what astrobio... You know what I'm saying? This guy is a last-ditch effort out there writing in an economic magazine try and convince people to get flu shots. I mean, this is how desperate they are. Yeah, so I don't think anything needs to be said. Um, <laughs> there's no commentary necessary to go on. Economic journal, astrophysicists mm-hmm. talking about a physiological medical issue. Um, yeah, I don't think anything more needs to be said. No. And then there's another article here. This is really interesting. This was at healthfinder.gov, and they're scratching their heads on this one. They're saying, you know what? It's weird, but certain parents are more likely to skip kids' flu shots, not get the flu shots for their kids. And you're wondering, well, which people are these? Which parents are these? These are the parents, evidently, who engage in the utilization of CAM practices, complementary alternative medicine, which obviously we believe should be the regular medicine and the alternative should be the pharmaceutical side of things. But they're saying parents who send their kids to acupuncturists are less likely to have their kids vaccinated with flu shots than those who do not. I mean, like, really? Is this a surprise? Yeah, so, so the question is, for me at least, why why is that a surprise? And why would you expect anything different? That's the first thing. Second thing is, um, which is interesting that you brought this up, because Van VCD, we haven't talked about Van VCD, but we just I just looked at the data. We are approaching 11,000 respondents to that survey. And I'll, I will send you two screenshots of the data of comparing vaccinated with non-vaccinated kids. And the, those that are ahead of their peer group 
uh, let's just say those that are behind their peer group. Now, this is subjective, but those that are behind their peer group in the patient population that has been vaccinated compared to patients that have not been vaccinated, the patients that have been vaccinated, it's exponentially higher. The difference between the two groups, Robert, is so astronomical, it defies all statistical significance. It's way, way, way beyond statistical significance. And anybody can go to vanvcd.org and go to the results page, and you can filter the data however you want. You can do it based upon uh, sex. Uh, you can do male or female. You can do it based upon uh, age. You can do it based upon vaccination, non-vaccinated children. And you can look at the difference between the various pathologies that they are suffering from, what their parents had, if any medical conditions, what their learning disabilities or their learning aptitude, or if they're ahead of their peer group, all that stuff you can see, and it is amazing. So, you know, you, you were saying that it's why is that surprising the parents that have had uh, camp therapies that they, they're less likely to inoculate the children? The reason is very simple. It's common sense because they know how much damage is induced by vaccinating the children. And then when you start looking at the data from – this isn't this has nothing to do with parents that have uh, been exposed to camp therapies or not. This is just looking at the raw data of parents describing their own children's response uh, post-vaccination and how they have cognitively developed after that versus parents that have never had the children co- uh, uh, vaccinated, so there was no cognitive impairment. And you start looking at that data, it is unbelievable. This is maybe why we need the astrophysicist back to comment on this, because it's so astronomical, <laughs> the difference between uh, the two data sets, if you will. If you look at the health of the children who have not been vaccinated versus those who have. I've just uh, sent it out through the social networks, and you can uh, go to vanvcd.org. If you haven't submitted information about your kids, whether they've been fully or partially vaccinated or not vaccinated at all, and your assessment of their health and their uh, their status. It's fascinating what's coming out. I can't wait to look at those screenshots, Dr. Batar. Yeah, and, and just for people that, you know, obviously I'm not going to be sending screenshots to, anybody can go to that website, and at the bottom, look at where it says results, click on results, and you can filter the data however you want, but I'm going to send you, Robert, two screenshots, and if you want to send it out on social media or however you want to do it, it's just looking at the cognitive function and response where the parents decide ahead of the peer group, with the peer group, or behind the peer group, in the vaccinated population versus the non-vaccinated population. And to have statistical significance, you have to have an N of 32 or greater. We've got like 6,490-some in the vaccinated group versus like, you know, 4,500, whatever it is. It's, it's in the thousands in both groups. And so you can see how significantly different the data is. But it's remarkable. Indeed. And, of course, uh, with the attempts to... Uh have children vaccinated for everything and anything, whether it includes mercury in the shot or not. Uh, of course, they've added aluminum now when there's not mercury or there's less mercury. There's still aluminum. It's just it's just an absolute mess. And as I've said last hour, uh, there's basically no way they can defend these practices anymore. So they increasingly resort to lying and making stuff up like Zika, now causing neurological degradation when it doesn't cause microcephaly. So they can blame the virus for all the things that they're doing. It used to be just toxic pollutants from the environment at large. Now it's the pollutants they put into a syringe and inject into your children in the name of protecting them, somehow stimulating an antibody response of their immune system 
Never mind the fact that their attempts to do so are destroying the immune system, causing autoimmunity and even cancer. Dr. Batar is with me as he is every week as we kick off the week doing advanced medicine together. You can find him online at uh, uh, drbatar, B-U-T-T-A-R dot com, as well as his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. If you're coming to Dallas, maybe he'll sign a copy for you if you have it there. All right, back with more powerful healing after this break. Live around the world, the Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott Bell. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. And uh, Dr. Rashid Batar, drbatar.com, D-R-B-U-T-T-A-R.com. Links are up in the show notes, robertscottbell.com. Could a doctor's words have an impact on whether you as a parent acquiesce and allow him to give you or her to give your child an HPV shot, a vaccine? That is the question in this healthfinder.gov article, and it determines, yeah. And they try to train these doctors, Dr. Batar, how to convince parents to get a shot that doesn't even do what they say it does. Yeah, they, the shots are obviously um, designed, I mean, this is more propaganda, of course, um, but they're trying to, I mean, there's so many different components that come to mind over here, you know, it goes from the whole spectrum of misinformation, uh, fear-mongering, uh, all the way up to pure evilness. Uh, why would you introduce something into a child that is not going to help them and not, 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 not that it's a question that if it can or cannot help them from those that know, because we know that the people that are behind this, they do know the truth. But it's actually the detrimental component under the pretense of protecting your child or under, under pretense of intimidating the parent that, hey, if you want to protect your child, you should do this. You're actually causing harm. And the first rule of medicine, the first rule for the doctors that they're asking to you know, propagate this message is do no harm. So at the very, very least, if you're not certain, you should say, well, if our precept to start our concept is to not do any harm, then we shouldn't be doing anything. We shouldn't be introducing any kind of vaccination or any of those type of components. Mm-hmm. And in this case, this article at healthfinder.gov, I mean, they, they basically are, I would say lying, but I mean, it's misstatement of facts. I, I don't know how you put it out when they say HPV causes most cases of cervical cancer. That right there is in, indefensible. There is no yeah, that's, there's no validity to that whatsoever. Right there, they start, and they and, and then they 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 expand from there. It gets worse, but I mean, this idea, and then they're com- trying to convince doctors to tell the patients, "Here, you have to say this to convince them." We figured out what parents want to hear, and here's the statement they came up with: "Doctor, you should say this to your patients. I strongly believe in the importance of this cancer preventing vaccine for name your child." Now, it's not a cancer-preventing vaccine. It's never been approved to prevent cancer. It's only approved for, what, four out of 120 strains of HPV for this so-called STD-type virus. But they just basically went the leap. They went off the deep end, and they're living in a pharmaceutical fantasy world. Yeah, and so, Robert, when you start bringing up this this point, you know, think about it for a second. It's... um, 
indication of what you stated when we started the show today, that this is how desperate they're getting, that they now have to try to convince the doctors of what to say. And most doctors are just going to say what they're told to say because they think that's what the uh, right thing to do is because that's what the manufacturers, that's what the medical boards, that's what the hierarchy or their professional organizations and societies are telling them to say. So they're just going to regurgitate that information. Why can't we but, just call them robots instead of doctors? Well, that's exactly what they are. They're, they're, they're robotic. That's exactly right. I, I always said that they're non-inventive cooks. They're just following a recipe that they've been told is works, and that's it. And there's no deviance from it. And here's the other problem. Anybody that is going to deviate from it, anybody who's going to exercise uh, independent thought, they're ostracized, they're demonized, they're minimized, they're, you know, persecuted. Um, they're singled out, and this, uh, what is it, standard of care Mm -hmm. is brought in that you are not following the standard of care because the standard of care is that, hey, you got to maim the children by prescribing these vaccines, and that's the standard of care. And if you're in violation of standard of care, we're going to take your license and we're going to, um, you know, parade you through, through the town square and hang you upside down and, um, you know, put a satanic cross on whatever it is. Whatever they can do to, to frighten people away from you. And then we exactly. have this story about this, this teenage adolescent boy, Colton Barrett, given his the three rounds of the HPV vaccine, Gardasil, after the third round, he starts losing function, and now he's paralyzed from the neck down. What do they say? Well, uh, uh, no, they're going to say it's caused by the Zika virus. I know. That's the Zika virus. Do. That's exactly yeah. what I was going to say. Jeez. That's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Absolutely. We are living in a pharmaceutical fantasy world. It's time to get off of that bus if you haven't already. If you're on with us here each week doing advanced medicine with Dr. Rasha Bittar, the likelihood of you being victimized by a Gardasil shot is nil because you know better. But what about your friends and family members? Are you telling them about it? And by the way, not only are the archives available everywhere around the web, but if you want to hone in on what Dr. Batar and I do together each week, go to medicalrewind.com. Medicalrewind.com. Hundreds and hundreds of hours of advanced medicine for your listening edification. Who'd you say that masked man was? It's a bird. It's a plane. It's Robert Scott Bell. Here I come to save the day. Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, back out of here, Advanced Medicine on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rashid Bittar. We have, uh, you know, more, uh, obviously, vaccine stories than we can cover in any one segment, much less one hour together, and we've talked about it so many times over the years. It's interesting when you get more backstory information, uh, that, that, you know, even coming directly from the CDC, which I look at as largely a corrupt agency that cannot function any longer with any degree of integrity. But if you go back to studies in this one, Dr. Bittar goes back to 1999, a study uh, out of CDC, and it said that food proteins such as gelatin used in the manufacture of vaccines can cause the development of sometimes life-threatening food allergies in children. And they actually re you know, release acknowledgement of anaphylactic reactions uh, from uh, you know, the fact that they have some, some things that can stimulate these food allergies in the vaccines themselves. Yeah, um... This is, this is actually an interesting article. Um, 
I didn't really know what to make of it, but it's a, it's an interesting observation. So um, this is something that, you know, I'm, I'm interested in what you think about this one, Robert, because I really didn't know what to make out of this one. Well, I mean, the, the thing the thing is when you start injecting these uh, foreign proteins that you'd normally ingest through the, you know, the alimentary canal, the, the digestive tract, and you interface with in a way that we have been interfacing with as long as there's been humans and animals on the planet. And suddenly you take those substances, seemingly even safe food substances, like gelatin, and you inject it. And you expect that there'd be no harm from that. Suddenly these proteins have access to areas like with leaky gut that they don't belong, and your body, your immune system reacts to those proteins. And not only that, of course, we've seen the anaphylaxis not only for, from that, but also peanuts, because some of the manufacturer vaccines, somehow they used some semblance of peanuts in the manufacturer as well, and that precipitated a rise in something that was very rare before, these peanut allergies. Okay, so so really what we're talking about here is the, the adjuvants that they're talking about. And, of course, anytime you start taking one unknown combining with other unknowns and then expecting the body not to react in a certain predictable manner, the body's going to react in the way that the ultimate engineer created the body to react, and that is that it sees anything as foreign, anything as an antigen, anything as a hapton, it's going to have an antigen antibody reaction. It's going to have some type of a response, and then the body's going to develop some type of um, um, what we refer to as an allergenicity. So is that is that the line that you're going down? Well, certainly. I mean, the thing is, it's, it's one thing to, again, Normally, you inter- encounter proteins from food. No biggie. Why is it that some of these proteins suddenly cause an anaphylactic near-death reaction? What would do that? It just It's not a normal response unless you've encountered that protein in an abnormal way, that is, injecting it into the blood, into the interstitial fluids, into areas where these proteins in this form are not ever supposed to get because in the digestive process, they're broken down in their base amino acids. Right, right. Okay, so actually when I reviewed this, and I did it in a very, very quick manner, I didn't understand what the point they were trying to make, and now I understand what you're saying, and what because of what you're saying, I understand now what they were trying to say in the study. You know, that part of what you're saying, I agree with 100%, but I think part of it also comes back to the issue of the terrain. Mm-hmm. So it's not just what's being introduced into the system that causes the IgE-mediated reaction, which is when a person ends up having an anaphylactic reaction, or IgG-mediated reaction, which is more like a delayed reaction, I think part of it has to do with what we do to the terrain in the um, in the idea of trying to do something that is preventive for a child. So the, I'm, I'm thinking of a very specific thing right now, and that is the use of mercury as a preservative, as we've discussed already in one of the previous components with this uh, uh, astrophysicist talking about in the economic journal about thimerosal and mercury being eliminated from the body. Mercury, we have seen clinically that people that have severe allergies, whether it's um, asthma-type, acute respiratory uh, distress-type allergies versus delayed IgE-mediated food allergies versus seasonal allergies versus whatever it may end up being, um, those that have had a very aggressive history of vaccination are the ones that are the most susceptible to these types of allergic responses. So it's it's ruining the terrain. Obviously, what you're talking about, the, the protein complex and how it's the body's reacting in a certain type of uh, compensatory mechanism, that's one thing. But also what we're doing to the terrain uh, by using some of these things that have a detrimental effect, and then the body's immune response becoming either, one, accentuated or becoming diminished. If it becomes accentuated, you start having these reactions 
like the hypersensitivity, the sclerodermas, the myasthenia gravis, the multiple sclerosis, uh, all, the lupus, all these hyperimmune responses versus, uh, and then we call those um, autoimmune conditions, right? Because it's actually not autoimmune condition. We've made the response, the immune response hyper-responsive, and now it's turning on itself. Or it has a hypoimmune response, as we see with um, diabetes, with cancer, with some of these other conditions. So we are actually creating a disruption within the mechanism of the natural response of the body to fight anything that's foreign. Mm-hmm. Which yeah, is a I defense mean, mechanism. It, it, it violates the first do-no-harm principle from the word go. Exactly. That's exactly right. Yeah, again, we come back to these shots causing paralysis, et cetera, but of course... It, rather than acknowledge and look face-to-face in the mirror at themselves and what they've become, they lie, just like they tell the doctors. Lie to get these shots uh, given. Tell them what they have to. Give them what they want to hear, right? And, of course, the disasters keep growing. Uh, you know, I w- last week, uh, Dr. Batar, uh, I know we had you on delayed because you were in the air, but that Monday I was with the VAX team. They have their bus now. They're touring. They've got an RV, and they've wrapped it in the VAX thing, and they're having families come and visit the bus wherever they end up whether they show the film Vax from cover-up to catastrophe or not, they're having these family members come and tell their stories of vaccine injury. And, in fact, last week I interviewed a man, Bryce, whose whose son died after a vaccine. So it's not just injury, it's death, too. And they're all signing the bus. And as of last week, there were approaching 2,000 families that had signed on behalf of vaccine-injured or killed uh, children. And this is becoming the face of reality, making real that which you've been seeing in your clinical practice for many years, but the general public has been somewhat shielded from because the mainstream media doesn't cover it this way. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably part of the issue is, you know, they're trying to keep everybody in the Middle Ages by preventing the dissemination of this information. But obviously we're not in the Middle Ages with the advent of the Internet and people picking up a phone and contacting somebody across the other side of the world, you know, at virtually no cost. Uh, it's going to be hard for them to stem this tide that's um, becoming uh, a tsunami, and it's and it's hitting more and more people. People are becoming aware, and they're becoming very upset and very aggravated and very angry at what what's happening. Even uh, Trump has talked about this. You know, given all his shortcomings, even he's talked about uh, the importance of um, um, being more judicious in the use of vaccinations and its association with autism and some of these other uh, neurological impairments, but. You know, when you talk about, Robert, you said earlier on that uh, telling doctors what to do and, and you know, to, to encouraging doctors to give a certain message. This is not the first time. It's not the second time. You know, this is historically, they've always done this with the uh, advent of the mammograms, for example. You know, if you start looking at the history, the mammogram issue, it, it in all the reviews and all the um, retrospective studies and all the Cochrane analysis, it was always shown that it had no statistical advantage. Um, they had the big China study that they did with 19,000 women, and they found that the use of soft breast exams compared to uh, mammograms, there was no increase in early detection. There was no increase in survival. And I think that was probably skewed because it, with the exposure of radiation from the mammograms and the compression of the uh, breast and causing the trauma to the breast, I'm sure there was a higher incidence of people that were uh, breast cancer and people that were using the um, mammograms. But, you know, why did they start using mammograms as a screening tool? Well, that's because that's what Congress at that time determined that the public wanted after their uh, little focus groups analysis, that people wanted something. And even though they knew the mammograms had no benefit, 
they propagated it as if it was something that was necessary. And right. when asked why, they were, the answer was because the public wants it. So it's not the first time doctors are being told what to say because the public wants it. And this is what, you know, we've done our focus group analysis. We know this is what the public wants. So give them what they want. Yeah, even though the public doesn't want it, <laughs> they just say they want it. And that's exactly. their excuse. Like the flu shot back in 1975, 76, Gerald Ford rushed out the swine flu shot. It killed more people than the swine flu hurt anybody, right? And there's a lot of paralysis, Guillain-Barre, et cetera. They should have rethought it. Any rational, sane doctor would have said, you know, this is a disaster. We need to rethink our, our strategy here. Instead, they doubled down, and each year they promoted the flu shot more and more and more. Of course, there's more paralysis, there's more injury, and, of course, now they get to blame the Zika virus. So this is where we are. Now, I want to switch gears to the, t- the subject seemingly more superficial, no pun intended, <laughs> acne. Acne sufferers, according to this... Uh, that was good, Robert. That was yeah, you like that one? Don't try this yeah, at home. <laughs> Only professional. Super Don would have loved that one. Uh, <laughs> they're, they're talking about acne sufferers. The headline reads, they live longer. If you suffer from acne, you're going to suffer from acne longer than people who don't who don't suffer from acne at all, the longer than they live. What's going well, on actually, here? Before, before, well, here's the thing. This could be something like when people with bad skin... They just mm-hmm. feel like they're living longer because, <laughs> because they've got bad kids. Oh, the horror, right? The horror. No, this is not an advertisement for Clearasil or anything like that. Uh, but my my first uh, response when I saw this headline was like, you know, when I saw people who had skin reactions, they tended to have less serious internal diseases, heart disease or other things. And I felt knowing what I knew about homeopathy and the excretory pathways, if the liver kidneys were congested, if you have the ability to adapt and throw things out to the skin, that would be an adaptation for survival. If you don't have that adaptive ability or seemingly less than others, you might succumb to an internal disease because your detoxification pathways are congested. Yeah, and I think that that would fall right along the same lines as my thought process, and that is that the skin is the largest organ of detoxification, and if you've got bad skin, it indicates your skin is detoxing, which means there's less toxin load in the body. So, um, you know, whether it's at an adaptogenic type response, I don't know, but I think that uh, it's basically the same thing, that there's less crap in the body because there's more coming out. That's what manifests the, the crap that's coming out of the body is manifesting as the skin eruption, the acne, poor skin, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. but there's less in the body being retained, and so the person's is actually healthier and less likely to succumb to some disease that's going to be directly related to a toxicity. Right. And, it, and this doesn't mean we get to ignore uh, the internal milieu or environment. It means that, obviously, you're, you're adapting to it, but if we heal the liver, if we heal the gut, hey, guess what? Your acne goes away. How many times does that happen? Clear the gut. Yeah, exactly. Watch the skin heal up, folks. All right, we got one more segment on Advanced Medicine Monday here on the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rasha Bittar having a great time. As always, we'll tell you how to listen if you miss it, and it'll be really easy. The Robert Scott Bell Show. In all my years of radio, I've never seen anything like this. The Robert Scott Bell Show. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. All right, we've got to do a little bit of encore uh, exposition on acne because a lot of folks are like, oh, man, you mean you're telling me the blemishes are good for me? Well, we're not saying that they're awesome for you, obviously not the way you like to look, but as an adaptation for survival, it's, it may be advantageous to you. 
But as we were mentioning, if you clear out the inner terrain, eventually your skin clears up every time. Dr. Batar, you've seen that too. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, the first thing when we do a gut detox on people that have problems with the elementary system, one of the standard things we warn people is that don't be surprised if you start getting some type of uh, interruption, acne, whatever other type of skin blemishes that come up, because that's going to be um, basically evidence that you're detoxing. And they usually start feeling better at the time that the skin eruptions uh, arrive, even though they may not like getting the skin eruptions, they start feeling better. And then after a while, the skin eruptions will disappear, and then they're well on their way to recovery. Mm-hmm. Well, exactly. And, and you know, I've, I've observed this, too, particularly with Asians, like people from Japan or even Korea, that have, you know, the beautiful porcelain skin when they're on their native diets. They come to America, eat the Western food, and the first thing you see are these massive uh, cystic acne or acne breakouts. It's like this beautiful skin is just altered. And, of course, their guts are being destroyed by what we've done to the food here relative to the kind of clean food they were on in their native uh, land. So, uh, again, that's just something observational I had seen over the years uh, when I began to look at people in a different way. Yeah, and I think we see this. Some people that may say, well, that this maybe could be an uh, allergic response or people having it not used to the American diet. In actuality, it's exactly what you said, because you can take people from many different parts of the world, and then when they come to the U.S., um, they start having GI distress. And you can take people from the U.S. and send them on vacation to certain parts of the world, and they things that they've had problems with will slowly dissipate over a week, two weeks. And when they come back to the States, those same problems will reoccur, again, because of what we do to the foods. It's not the food itself. It's what we do to the foods, the homogenization, right. the pasteurization, the irradiation, the genetic modification, and all the other implications of what's happening um, to our systems from the food that we're eating and what we do to the food. Exactly. All right. Now, I don't want to stress you out about the American food, but don't eat it unless it's clean and organic or you know it, how, where it came from. Uh, but talking about stress, you'll like this story to wrap up today. Therapists now... Here in the United States, and this is this is reflecting poorly on us. I'm, I'm not you and me, but I'll just talk about the, like the millennials. Last hour, I talked about the new disease where a millennial can't even. <laughs> you know, it's like I can't even. Well, here's an extension of that. Therapists are now treating patients stressed out about our presidential election. When That's I heard a, this, Robert, I actually yeah. started laughing because it was just it was so funny, and, and yet. Even though it's funny, and you know we're going to laugh about it because you laughed about it, we laughed, we both laughed about it. But if you think about it, it probably is a good reason to be stressed. Yeah, any other time in history. I suppose, but you know the media is certainly ratcheting up worst case scenarios. If Hillary gets in, if Trump gets in, it's like listen. Honestly, I don't mean to be a bummer, but it's a disaster either way because we got twenty trillion in debt, and there's going to be hell to pay eventually. And even if Trump gets in, I think he's aware of it. He brought up the issue of the bubble and the Fed. So he's not unaware of these things. Hillary could care less about these things. I think she doesn't mind seeing the destruction of America. That's just my opinion and observing her. She's all about her herself. But, uh, you know, yes, there's stuff to be stressed about. I think re- re-energize and start detaching from that, disconnecting from that. Don't let it impact you the same way because you've given your power away at that point. No matter who's president. That, you know what I'm saying? There's no political savior. Yeah, I think it's a very good point, what you just made, to, to detach, because you can't change anything. You can't change that. It comes down to the serenity prayer. You know, please, please, God, help me to change the things that I can change. 
the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change and the wisdom to know the difference. So I think if we're talking about this from a serious perspective, I think people need to use that component. But mm-hmm. to be a little bit light about the subject, there was a joke that I heard, but of course it's probably been applicable for all elections, and that's that if God really wanted us to have a president, he would have given us a candidate. <laughs> that's good. Uh, in the meantime, lots of cannabis, folks. You'll be okay. Lots of CBD. <laughs> relax. Chill out. Become a Rastafarian or a Pastafarian or something. All right, Dr. Bittar, another great episode of Advanced Medicine with you, my friend. Go to medicalrewind.com. Hundreds of hours available for your download for free. Learn all about it, drbittar.com. Links are up, robertscottbell.com. We'll see you next week in Dallas at The Truth About Cancer. Dr. Bittar, thanks. And uh, take us out. Tell them what they need to know, my friend. The power of heal is yours. Yes, it is.